Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. You can hear today from a medical doctor who has done something unheard of. He purchased an abortion clinic, turned it into a place where life could thrive. Our guest today at Choose Life Radio is Dr. Bill Lyle. He's board certified in obstetrics and gynecology and licensed to practice in Alabama and Florida. This is a conversation we presented over a year ago, but I thought it has importance for us today. When I first talked to William Lyle, I started the conversation on a personal note. I asked him how he dealt with four miscarriages that he and his wife had. Here's how he responded. It was traumatic. It was uh, started during my residency training at the University of Florida, where our first pregnancy, we thought, hey, hallelujah. We did an ultrasound. We had heart tones, and a week later, started to spot and bleed, lost that pregnancy, then had a second pregnancy that also had heart tones that we lost. And then uh, we had a perfect daughter, Sydney, and then another miscarriage, and a perfect daughter, Emily, and a fourth miscarriage. And uh, there's a definite grief period that you go through. You see mm-hmm. the hard tones. You figure out when the due date is. You have all make all these plans, and the plans are interrupted. Mm-hmm. So you recognize the value of life, and then it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And it provides that compassion when one of your patients is going through the same thing. They, and you can say, I know exactly what you're going through. I was there. It happened right. four times, and it don't understand why. God's got a perfect plan, but we don't understand what it is sometimes. But uh, it does aid in the compassion. We, uh, my husband and I, also experienced one at about six months along, and uh. and it is traumatic. I um, I think it was very hard for us to get through it. We didn't at that time know that there were centers like there are around the United States, the pregnancy centers that are there to help you maybe deal with some of that grief and and loss. And so, that's just a heads up for those who are listening that that's available to you um, for free to have someone help you through that. I love it that you said you have two perfect daughters. Do they live up to that? <laughs> they really do. I could not be more proud of the daily decisions that they make. One is a, going into her senior year at the University of Florida, and the other is going into her sophomore year at the University of South Florida. They are both academically excellent with four O's and just pursuing their goals, but being active in the Baptist Collegiate Ministry at their campuses is just part of their lives. So we've been blessed. Just wow. wonderful girls. Absolutely blessed. That does sound fantastic. Well, let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, what happened when you and your partner um, purchased a, a prominent abortion mm-hmm. provider in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I was finishing my residency with the University of Florida in obstetrics and gynecology. And of course, the next step is, well, where am I going to practice? And we looked all over the country. We looked all over the state of Florida, and a practice that we pursued was actually the largest provider of abortion services for the Florida Panhandle. Wow. So we took over the practice, and as part of that deal, we had a restrictive covenant that the physician signed where not only could he not perform abortions, but he couldn't practice any form of medicine for the next two years which placed him into retirement, and he moved back to Sweden. 
So on day one, we stopped all abortions. We stopped all referrals for abortions, and we informed the staff of the new rules, and they were welcome to stay, but these were the, the, the changes we were going to be making. And then it was on a Sunday afternoon after church when I was touring the whole office, and I'd never been up to the surgical suite upstairs. And I walked up those steps, and immediately I could not think but of the thousands of ladies that had walked up with a baby inside their womb, had oh. spent an hour or so upstairs in the surgical suite, and then went down a different set of steps without that baby on the inside. And then when I got to the top of the stairs, I looked around the corner, and there was the the surgical suite with the suction machine, the exam table, and all the instruments ready for the next abortion. And we're in a very conservative area. We have Pensacola Christian College up the street, big churches. And I thought, this is right there here in the center of our community. I bet nobody even realizes what's been going on to the extent. So we did a brief presentation at an evening service at our church showing how we treat the preborn as patients with the technology we had at the time, but also what the brutality of abortion really is. We discuss the spiritual aspects, what God says about the preborn, but also how it affects the moms, but primarily how it affects the babies. We treat the preborn as patients, and a patient is a person, no matter how small. And if the baby on the inside is a patient, it's a person. And if they're a person, they need to be protected. And that's grown into a ministry, ProLifeDoc.org, where I literally travel from coast to coast, speaking at pregnancy resource banquets, doing phone interviews, TV interviews, and just trying to show not only from a biblical standpoint that defending life is the right thing to do, but even from a medical standpoint that this is a whole new person in the womb from the moment of conception, and that the body of the mom is an amazing life support system but it's a totally different person that's inside the womb. You have on YouTube an opportunity for someone to check out uh, some of that educational information that you share with groups. And, and I think I, the one that I watched not too long ago was with high school students, maybe in a, in a Catholic or a Christian school. You do a tremendous job oh, of, thank you. of really... I loved the faces of the students as we were seeing them panned uh, by the camera. There were, it was not so graphic that there were looks of shock or I'm turning away. It was done in such a sweet way, but it was very, very um, visual what takes place, especially in that final trimester that you showed them what, what a partial birth abortion is. That's a powerful tool. Yeah, we produced a DVD last year. It's called God's Miracle of Life, and it's available on our website for just $10. But it's about an hour and a half long, and we, of course, show how we treat the preborn as patients, how even at our hospital we can do blood transfusions directly to the baby through the umbilical cord in the womb as early as 19 weeks gestation. There are centers at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia and in Boston and in Houston, Texas, that are now actually doing heart surgery on the baby in the womb as early as 22 weeks gestation. We're doing spina bifida corrective surgeries. The babies on the inside are truly patients, and we're doing surgery on them. So we show them that this is a totally new person in the womb, but then we also want to go through what a true abortion is. And we don't use any baby parts, blood, or any kind of gore because when we have 
done studies when people have shown those kind of movies, when you look at the audience, their fingers are in their ears, their eyes are either closed or looking down. And as an instructor, that's not how you educate somebody. So we showed the amazing life with ultrasound, fetoscopy, even MRI of the baby in the womb, where you can recognize that is a person. And then we used the equipment without any blood or anything that would be offensive. This is the brutality of how a first trimester abortion is done, a second trimester abortion is done, and how a partial birth abortion is done. Because people need to see the reality honestly, because that's how we educate, and that's how we really change the hearts and minds of the, of the people in the country. Well, that, I, it, it's very amazing what I saw. You did a fantastic well, job thanks. in that, and I and I just can imagine the students getting that kind of truth. It's very helpful uh, in in their futures for what they what choices they make. So, taking those tools, that's sort of a, a God moment there, that God opportunity to have that in your hands and be able to use those in such a way. I'm sure that, that when that doctor purchased those tools, he would never have thought that that's what it would be. What a gift. Going on, a little bit of advancements that you, you talked about. I have a good friend whose uh, son, I think, is in his late 30s or 40s who uh, was born with spina bifida and um, has been in a, a wheelchair most of his life. So tell me, that is a pretty amazing technique to be able to do in utero, and does it totally correct it, or does it just bring down the, the, the results of that disease, or what? The results are getting a lot more promising. I think a lot of people saw one of probably the most notable cases, which was a picture of Samuel Armas in the womb. Samuel's only about 22 weeks along. It's that picture that showed the uterus with a hand coming out of the hole in the uterus. Mm -hmm. And Samuel was having surgery done on his spine in an open fashion. I was actually speaking for Georgia Right to Life in Atlanta, and a kid came up to me and he wanted to get his picture taken with me. And I said, well, absolutely. And I looked at his name badge and it was Samuel Arma. So Samuel had, <laughs> you know, he said, you use my picture all the time. I wanted to come and meet you. So I said, Samuel, when you were in your mother's womb, when you had that surgery done, were you a person? And he looks at me and goes, well, duh. And so that was the infancy of the surgery where we were actually making an incision in the mom's belly, removing the uterus, making an incision in the uterus, and then correcting the defect in the baby because they were doing a trial to see if we correct these defects in the womb, do they have better outcomes long-term than waiting until the baby is born? This is a defect in the spine where the spinal nerves are actually exposed, and the corrective surgery puts a cover back over these delicate, fragile nerves. Now we're starting where instead of opening up their uterus, we're using tiny little fetoscopes, scopes that go in through the wall of the uterus, and just like when we now do laparoscopic surgery or gallbladder surgery with a laparoscope, it's no longer a big incision. You can do a gallbladder surgery same day, three Band-Aids, and you go home. Mm. Well, we're starting to do these types of surgeries on the babies on the inside, not just because of the technology is there, but we want to see if these kids do better by correcting and problems in the womb. There are some issues such as giving babies a blood transfusion, that if we don't do that while the kid is in the womb, the kids can die on the inside of severe anemia. Mm, well, why do the kids have such low blood counts? They're a totally different person. And the problem basically is, is that mom can develop antibodies in her blood 
these antibodies can cross the placenta and start to attack the baby's blood. And if we don't do something like give a baby a blood transfusion, the baby will pass away on the inside. The mom is attacking the baby just as if it was a foreign uh, organ transplant, mm-hmm. where it might be similar to hers you know, as far as genetics, but it's different. Anybody who gets a kidney transplant, no matter how closely they were related to the donor, still has to get take anti-rejection medications. Mm-hmm. So the mom's body is attacking the baby because it is foreign, and so we give the baby's blood transfusion sometimes every three or four weeks during the pregnancy, and then afterwards when the babies are delivered, they do wonderfully. Well, we are absolutely enjoying this conversation with Dr. William Lyle, and we are going to come back after a brief break. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, chooseliferadio.com. Welcome back. We are so excited to have you with us as we interview with Dr. William Lyle. And we have had already a vigorous conversation with you, but I want to turn the topic a little bit here to your state of Alabama, where you also have the ability to uh, do the, the services of an excellent doctor. Would you tell me what your thoughts are on this amazing law that just got passed in Alabama? It was overwhelmingly passed. It was uh, approved by the House, approved by the Senate, and, of course, signed by Governor Kay Ivey. And the statement that Kay Ivey made was, for Alabamians, it proved that every life is precious and that every life is a sacred gift from God. And Alabama essentially said, we are going to defend life from the moment of conception. It is important to us. It is a gift from God. And we recognize this as a person and the role of government is to protect persons. Great law. Yeah, and it looks like in a recent Harris poll taken in in May, early May, they had over 50% of people responding. They want those restrictive laws. They want them to be more restrictive. And they're they're saying laws banning abortion after six weeks are either good or right laws or even too lenient so that there's a sense of finally the people in the United States who have been silent relatively long are coming forth with, no, we're not happy with this. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with the visualization of what the baby is on the inside. And our current generation that is growing up, they are very visual learners. They're watching YouTube. They always have their phones or a tablet out there. What they see visually is very much their reality. And they can see the babies on the inside. You're seeing commercials of the babies on the inside. You're seeing how this is a new person and a new life in the womb. And we're especially seeing this attitude in the younger generation on college campuses where they say, yes, we're going to defend this life and protect it. Yeah, I've been very excited to watch the Students for Life grow and thrive Mm -hmm. under uh, Kristen Hawkins, I believe. She's doing a great job with that. And I I think, yes, the campuses need that because there is such a prevalence of lies coming from literally the professors that they sit under. So it's important to get that going. And it's an opposition to what a lot of states, 
we're really having a uh, division within the country as far as one extreme versus another. Mm -hmm. When people are seeing laws such as New York saying that, you know, an abortion can be performed at any gestational age for any reason without restrictions, people are saying absolutely not. Mm -hmm. When we are having babies surviving at 22, 23, 24 weeks gestation, when people are seeing these lives in the womb with ultrasound and MRI, and states are saying, you know what, you can take the life of this baby at any point in the pregnancy. People are saying, no, that's not right. And then when you even see the governor of Virginia, who is actually a pediatric neurologist, Mm -hmm. saying that if a third trimester abortion fails, meaning that the baby is born, the baby is alive, has a heartbeat, is kicking and screaming, that that is then a decision of what to do next, that it should be between the mother and the physician. And it's like, no. I mean, you're a pediatric neurologist. You you deal with consciousness, seizure disorders. You can see this is a kid that is struggling. It's not a decision of what to do next. It's a decision of how do I help this kid that's now on the outside. So a lot of states really see a genuine threat to Roe versus Wade. And I really think there's excellent possibility that Roe versus Wade will be reversed sooner rather than later. And when we see states taking these extreme steps of even changing their state constitutions, they are really building walls and they are building moats around abortion rights and the right to take away, as they perceive it, the life within the womb they see that if Roe versus Wade falls, we want to try to protect what we have. And so I think that just lets us realize that there's a genuine threat to Roe versus Wade. It was poor science. It was poorly done. It said that the baby on the inside is not a person and could not be protected under the 14th Amendment. In 1857, when the U.S. Supreme Court passed the Dred Scott Act, they essentially said that African-Americans were not persons and did not have the same rights as other Americans. Were they wrong then? Absolutely, they were wrong. In 1973, when the U.S. Supreme Court said that the pre-born were not persons, were they wrong then? Absolutely. Can that be reversed? Absolutely. And I really think there's a strong possibility that it will be reversed. Well, I pray that with you, and, and we will have an uprising of joy and shouting oh, when it happens. It'll be a celebration day. Hey, um, one of the things that I'm very familiar with because of center work is the issue with the RU486. Yeah. And can you explain that to our audience a little bit and then talk about the amazing thing that you are involved in? There are two primary ways that abortions can be performed in the United States. First is what everybody is familiar with, and that is with a surgical abortion, where the baby is on the inside and using surgical techniques, the baby is killed and is removed. But the fastest growing method of abortion is actually chemical abortion, where medications are given. And that is done with a medication called RU486. And if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you know that when the chef says, hey, 86, the meatloaf, that means kill the meatloaf. We don't have any meatloaf. Meatloaf is gone. Mm. So when you look at this chemical name, RU486, it's a question. Are you 486 and are you for, you know, taking the life of this baby? I have never heard that before. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it really is um, a medication that affects a woman's body that withdraws support. 
when a woman gets pregnant, amazing things start to happen in her body. The functions of the body are changed and it gears up to providing support for this new person on the inside. When we do a pregnancy test, we're looking for a hormone called human chorionic gonadotropin. And this is the hormone that signals to the body, congratulations, you are pregnant. And it takes that signal and it starts to make a lot of changes. One of the changes is a hormone called progesterone is released. Progesterone Think about how it breaks down, progesterone, progestation. It is the hormone that provides support for the pregnancy. And when the hormone level is elevated, it is the signal to the body, we have a new person growing here. We're going to help protect this new person. We're going to support this new person. We're not going to have the uterus contract because that might squeeze this little person out. So progesterone is that signal. RU46 is a very effective blocker of the hormone progesterone. It can be given per guidelines up to 10 weeks along in the pregnancy. This is when I have video of my daughter where she's about that gestation, where not only does she have a heartbeat, but you can see her jumping and sliding on the wall of the uterus, jumping and sliding down. There's no denying this is an active baby on the inside. RU46 is growing exponentially. The number of OBGYNs that are not just referring, but personally and actively performing abortions is now 24%. That's an increase of 14% since the last time they did that survey. And the number one reason for that increase is because of the ease of providing RU46. So RU46 blocks the hormone progesterone, progestation. So the body is thinking, oh my goodness, hallelujah, we're pregnant. And then the hormone signal gets blocked and the body now is thinking, I thought we were pregnant, maybe we're not pregnant. Well, if we're not pregnant, then there's no reason for us to be supporting a pregnancy. And and this is a two-step process, isn't it? Two-step process. The first is the RU46, which withdraws all of the support that is being sent to the pregnancy. The second part is given, you know, a day or two later, And it is a prostaglandin that causes the uterus to contract and to push the pregnancy out. There's lots of bleeding, there's clots, the placenta, the fluid, the developing baby, all is pushed out when these strong contractions form. So it's a two-step process. So if a woman begins this process, Mm -hmm. is there any way to stop it? Yeah, there sure is. There are antidotes for lots of things in medicine. Everybody is aware of the narcotic crisis that we're having, where over 50,000 people a year are dying of narcotic overdoses. We can reverse a narcotic overdose. If somebody comes into our emergency room, we give them a medication called Narcan. Narcan is an absolute reversal switch when it comes to a narcotic overdose. It's an antidote. RU46 blocks progesterone. A guy named George Delgado a few years ago thought, well, if this is blocking progesterone, what if we were to supplement the mom with additional progesterone to keep the pregnancy going? We use a hormone progesterone in the form of a medication called Prometrium in obstetrics all the time. This is something that we commonly use for not only keeping a pregnancy going, but for preventing preterm labor and contractions. We use it with in vitro fertilization to tell the body, keep this pregnancy going that we just transferred to the womb. 
So it's nothing new. Well, his idea was, well, we have so many moms who take the medicine, are you 46? And then as soon as they take the medication, they're like, what did I just do? What I have profound regrets. And so we can now contact and they can contact us and we can counsel them and say, listen, when did you take the medication? How far along are you? And the RU46 is blocking the progesterone, and we can give them the same pre- prescription that will support the pregnancy. It's not voodoo science. It is not fake news. In the past year, we have reversed five pregnancies that had a 97 to 98% chance of ending with the baby's life and the baby would die. We have successfully reversed them. And it's very safe to do that. We are just giving the same hormone that says keep the pregnancy going to overrule and override the RU46. We Dr. started on Dr. Yeah. Lyle, in just the, the few minutes that we have left, yeah. approximately what's the cost of that? Our current cost at Walmart generic Prometrium is $109. You have a great idea about starting an actual uh, amount of money that's saved just to provide that for clients who come in. I love that idea. So maybe people who are listening today think about their center and think, oh, I'd love to provide that so that there's no doubt. It's great to have a dedicated fund because not just our days important, but hours are important to get the reversal protocol initiated. And we don't want to have any blocks or delays. Mm. So if we have a fund already established, we give the pharmacy our credit card number, and the patient can immediately start the medication. (laughs) That is fantastic, as has been this entire time talking with you. Thank you for joining me for the interview that we did almost a year ago with Dr. William Lyle. I hope it was beneficial for you. I hope it's something that you want to share. You can do that by going to our website, chooseliferadio.com. And think about how you might help this ministry thrive. I'm Jill Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us today. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.